Lou Faz. Welcome to Dressing Room Interviews, Lou. Thank you, Joe. So good to be here again. I believe you're just about the best condition that I've seen you in the last uh, few years. What, what are you doing? What's, what, what goes on? Well, I, I keep training, Jules. I think we discussed this before. I'm, I'm one of the hungry athletes, you know? <laughs> collection they just dropped on the on the uh uh God, what's the what's the category well, it's, again it's the hidden gems section on hidden the gems that's now. right and hidden gems and now uh, that was johnny and kelly so kelly how you doing i'm doing great man always here to help johnny how you doing brother uh okay yeah i know right uh <laughs> it's uh we'll, we'll, we'll get into it I know, i'm always happy when the network puts up classic old stuff uh, some of this we've had before, some of it we haven't. Uh, yep. But it was, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. I'm sure Kelly, the main reason you wanted to talk about this was the Boston Garden, which they mistakenly called Madison Square Garden, uh, which is, it was also interesting because I guess the network kind of realized they botched that because now when I first watched it, they had the opening of the old Madison Square Garden show, like they did for the Pedro Morales title defense. That's mm-hmm. not there anymore. Uh, so mm. I took that part out. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. I think that's the main reason you really want to talk about this stuff, right? <laughs> well, you know, I am a aficionado of Madison Square Garden uh, history and wrestling. But, hey, I want to talk about Calgary in 1983 as well. That's my that's my backyard, or used to be. Um there's a lot of Canadian content on this, actually. Winnipeg. I lived in, in, in both those places, Calgary and Winnipeg, when Winnie I was younger. Winnipeg. 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 Yeah, I've always been a big Bill Longston fan. Um, he was a big draw in Houston. I mean, not Houston, in uh, St. Louis. And yeah. uh, Matisic always talked about what an incredible worker he is. And uh, we'll talk about that later on in the match. Uh but hey, let's get right into it, man. Uh, we have Carl Gotch and Rene Goulet versus the what, are, what Russians are they? The rugged right? Russians. The, the best kind of Russians. <laughs> and Kelly, I'm guessing this is not Jack Victory and Rip Morgan under the mask. Uh, <laughs> no, but I do know who. And not to dis- not to doubt your your skills, Johnny. But I thought to go ask Kelly first. Oh no no no, because I thought. Uh, it was the Russian tag team from that episode of Quantum Leap. <laughs> that was Terry Funk and somebody, wasn't it? 
think so. Terry Funk was in it, but they wore masks and it was all red. Yeah. Oh, no, that's right. Um, it was uh, Sam and whoever, because Sam was one of the Russian, master Russians, yeah. Um, leaping, quantum leaping, Lenny yeah, Poffo. Yeah, there you go. go. There's a Titans callback. Um, yeah, Gotch and Goulet versus the Rugged Russians. Interesting match. Yes, not from Madison Square Garden. Yes, I believe almost 100% it's from Boston Garden. Um, you can tell... Hispanic guys underneath the hoods, right? That's true. Yep. Uh, you can tell it's Boston Garden by the, the steps. The ringside steps have a rail on it. That was a distinguishing feature of Boston Garden that other arenas didn't have. And it just has the, the look of, of the Boston Garden. Of course, later, Rocky Raymond starts filming all this stuff, so yeah. we're kind of familiar. But this is pre-Rocky. This was a pro shot. I don't know. There seemed to have been some sort of show called Madison Square Garden Wrestlers. I haven't been able to figure out what kind of show. Like, was it a TV show or was it something they showed at the movie theaters before the main feature or something? Because, I don't know, it must have been just like a New York area thing. But um, I went on Kayfabe Memories earlier to check it out, and nobody there really had a definitive answer on what it was either. Maybe something they showed the full form before our other matches. Yeah, it, I don't think Yeah, I don't think it was a TV show. Because it would have, you'd think if it was on TV, it would have commentary, and, and it looks like, yeah, not TV, so who knows. But I think... This was part of the series. I mean, I don't know why they removed the beginning, like you said, Pete, because I think that even though it's from the Boston Garden, I think that was how it was presented um, back in the day. Maybe it was because it had the intro guy doing a very professional voice, like, sit back and enjoy <laughs> the legends of wrestling from Madison. And that was it. Maybe it was like something they show on the Titan, not Titan Tron's, but on the screens inside places. Yeah, yeah, or like on the local on MSG network or something as filler. Like, yeah, that like at a live event. That's been speculated. Yeah, that was speculated on KFU memories. Anyway, it's it's a mystery, uh, but it's been the source of quite a few hidden gems recently. There was the Pedro Morales versus Blackjack Mulligan title match from '71. That was Madison Square Garden wrestlers, and then the two uh, Beppo Mongol matches. That popped up after Nikolai Volkov passed away. Those were Madison Square Garden wrestlers' uh, matches, too. So it seems like uh, somebody in WWE behind the scenes is diving into this footage and, and picking it out. It's kind of cool. Um, this match, this the beginning of this match, if you're a fan of Coliseum Home videos of the old ones, uh, there's a clip of the beginning of this match on uh, the biggest, the smallest, the strangest, and the strongest. Just briefly uh, talking about the rugged Russians, Jesse Ventura says something like, oh, the secret of their success was that they ate garlic before the matches and that they made their opponents submit because of bad breath or something like that. <laughs> and they just showed the clip with the manager, who is Nikita Molkovich. I was about to say, uh, who, who, yeah, Molkovich, because he, he does Molkovich. He, he, do, he does a very bad attempt at Russian step dancing. Yeah, like, yeah, or, or as like, yeah, or you might remember Johnny the uh, dance that uh, Fonzie won the dance contest with true. on Happy Days. Well, well, it's because because Fonzie was down and out, man, yes. in that dance marathon, and they were carrying him out. And Jenny Piccolo's old man says, "Hey, you gonna get a haircut next?" And Fonzie bounces up 
and he's stepping like a motherfucker. That's a great memory. Makes me feel. Except good. for it wasn't Jenny Piccolo. It wasn't Jenny it was Piccolo. The, the actress who played Charlene, who played uh, with Charlene Tilton, oh, who will okay. come for fame on Dallas. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, anyway. Oh wow. <laughs> Jenny Back Piccolo to my- was never. Uh, we never met Jenny Piccolo until uh, uh, when when all the ca- all the good cast members left. Happy. That's game. right. That's right. So okay. who are the Russians? You're- so the Russians. Well, I mentioned Nikita Malkovich. So I'll explain him briefly. Okay. I guess he was a longtime Russian heel and under various names and from the fifties to the seventies. And just earlier today on Kayfabe Memories, I learned that he was a, just before this working for like an outlaw promotion in Boston apparently, as, as Nikita Malkovich or as a Russian heel. So that's that was his uh, most recent stop. The Russians, though, yes, they're uh, Latino gentlemen. Um, <laughs> so that, that was, of course, why they're wearing the masks. Uh, that would have been uh, pretty hard to, uh, to believe they didn't have masks oh. on. Um, <laughs> they were uh, Ivan and uh, Igor. Um, but... They were known as, or their real names were Juan Sebastian and Pedro Lopez. And Pedro Lopez wrestled a lot as Pedro Godoy. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. G-O-D-O-Y. <laughs> Godoy. Anyway, that was his uh, main name in the 60s. He was from Cuba, apparently. Um, Sound like guys who we do in handicap matches for Hogan. Or Andre. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were. Yeah, they were pretty jobberish. They wrestled as the medics in the early '60s, but so many. Yeah, there was like several different medics combinations and and individuals playing the medics. So I don't think. Yeah, they weren't the most famous version. Um, this was in Kansas City and Amarillo in the early '60s. Um, Lopez also wrestled under a mask as the Golden Terror, El Toro. The red, the red Raider, and the Red Shadow. He, he really ran the gamut of uh, masked identities. And I'm probably sure he used the red same mask too. Impossibly. Well, you uh, the word well red, red, red devil. Yes. Oh, yeah. But for the Golden Terror, he would have presumably had to have worn a golden mask or Maybe. yellow. But that's the guess. <laughs> so unpredictable. He wears a red one. <laughs> um. And so Pedro played uh, Ivan, and Juan Sebastian played Igor, and he wrestled as El Gaucho uh, for years. Um, Gaucho, which means uh, horseman, skilled horseman, sort of like a cowboy, basically Spanish cowboy, in various southern territories. So yeah, these guys are total journeymen. They weren't in the territory too long. Um, Gotch and Goulet are the tag team champions here. And this is rare footage. Like, I don't think there's any other footage of them as the champions. Uh, they were the second only uh, WWF tag team champions after Tarzan Tyler and uh, Crazy Luke Graham. They were the initial champions in late 1971. Gotch and Goulet won the belts at a December show in Madison Square Garden. And the story here was that the Russians apparently beat Gotch and Goulet before they were champions. So that was the reason for this program. And it went for a couple months. And this was January 22nd, 1972. Gotch and Goulet would lose the tag straps February 1st, 72, to 
uh, the great Baron Cicluna and King Curtis Iakea, managed by Captain Lou Albano. Um, another team lost to history as far as being a team together. That's a force. Yeah. Uh, Baron was still uh, pretty good at that time, pushed uh, pretty heavy. So anyway, this match, um, I haven't seen much Carl Gotch. Um I, I don't know about this. Uh, anyway, okay, I'll... So are you admitting, too, that I was like, okay, I've been hearing about this gotcha guy forever, and I'm like, kind of goofy? Yeah, well, he's more famous for his work in Japan. Right. He's, he's known as the god of wrestling. He was, when Onoki started uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling in 72, actually, you know, just months after this, gotch beat Anoki on the first ever in the main event of the first ever New Japan card. So that was March 6th, I believe. I believe that's the anniversary date. So not long after this, 72. Ronda Rousey still counts him as a teacher. Yeah. I mean, he's super influential and important as far as, like, that style of wrestling goes, like the strong style or the shoot style or whatever. Well, he's good because he better not be teaching how to celebrate in the ring. Yeah, I don't think, uh, from what I've seen of him in Japan, yeah, he didn't wrestle like this. <laughs> like That's what was so shocking to me, was seeing him wrestle like a typical fired-up baby face from the time. Um, anyway, I'll get to that. So this is th- uh, best two out of three falls, as was most tag team matches for the, for the New York Territory back then. Uh, we get a super long shine by the faces to start, which was... Uh, something that uh, would go on and on for years. The the heel in peril sequence. Uh, legit, the um, they the the two baby faces worked on the arms of the the Russians for legit ten straight minutes to start this match. <laughs> um, and then they finally get the Russians finally get heat on uh, Goulet, do a bit of a King of the Mountain spot, but then Goulet comes back and, and kicks more ass and then gotch is in and my note is there's not too much shooting from here yeah so this is the, the theme of the drop of the hidden gems is shooters so we're looking at matches with different shooters in them and yeah so gotch is the shooter in this match but not really um like i said he he works as pretty much a typical fired up baby faces with super exaggerated punches um but there's one point where the crowd just goes absolutely nuts for his house of fire um, midway through the match. And the heels actually win the first fall after getting just the slight, slightest bit of offense. Total on- banana peel. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a minute of offense on Gotch for a quick pin. Yeah. Total banana peel. And I have a note here. Gotch reminds me of like a 1890s boxer more than anything with his, Fists pose where he's, you know, um, I was like, who bouncing him, up. I was like, who taught him how to celebrate? Argentina, Raka? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it works. I mean, the crowd totally eats us up and, and, and treats him like a huge star. Um, second fall is pretty quick with uh, Gotch using a, like a combination arm bar, abdominal stretch. So here we get to see some of his... Uh, shoot holds or whatever. Yeah, when he was working the arm in the second fall, you felt um, you felt you saw a lot of Billy Robinson and Robinson in him here. Yeah. Um, 
where he's working the arm and doing, you know, some really nifty arm work in it. And, uh, which was, you know, going to be paid off in the, in the finish in the fall year. Uh, yeah. but yeah, this is where he actually kind of put on, became the shooter instead yeah. of like earlier, like you, like I loved it. Like early on where he was doing that full Nelson spot. Um, I mean, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Uh, but it wasn't what I was expecting out of Carl Gotch, you know, doing no. full Nelson comedy escape spots and stuff. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. But and he's but a very light. Uh, but when he started working the arm, it felt more like the Carl Gotch, and that's where I saw, uh, like, Billy Robinson influence and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he's a very large man. Yeah. Or was a very large man. Oh, yeah, that uh, wrestler uh, build, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess the Russians aren't. You know, they weren't too big, but he just so much bigger than them. Yeah. Um, yeah and so much bigger time. than, yeah, and so much bigger than his partner, Rene Goulet, too. Um, third fall is pretty short, too. Things break down really quick, and the Russians toss the referee to the mat, and that, they're disqualified for that. I was expecting a clean finish, so that was out of nowhere, kind of. And then all four men brawl afterwards, and then the baby faces clean house. And yeah, um, it was, uh, I don't know. I, I It was an okay match, but I wasn't too enthralled with it. Gotch, I, I don't know. He just, <laughs> I just uh, thought I was distracted by his, his exaggerated offense and, and his facial expressions and stuff like that. And I've yeah, never really like, like a, a real shooter playing professional wrestler, like you're trying to do what, yeah, kind of like how uh, Bret Hart would discuss Memphis wrestling in his book, where they do yeah. the big wind up punches type of stuff. Uh, so yeah. it felt like like Bret in his mind what phony wrestling, Memphis phony wrestling was. They were going to try to do, and that's what kind of what what got you a lot here, like this phony wrestling. Let me show you how to, you know, yeah. But at the same time, I admire that he's able to adapt to that style and not be, you know, stuck in the super serious uh, shooter style that probably wouldn't have gone over too well in the Northeast at that time. So he was able to totally blend in to the, the prevalent style. So I, I admire him for that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I thought was a really good showman here. Um, yeah. No, he carried. He was the, the star of the match, for sure. Yeah, like he was, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and I thought the Russians, I mean, yeah, they, they I mean, the, the baby faces took like 89% of this match. 89% <laughs> of this match. Exactly. Um, uh, but, you know, I thought the Russians had some good heel stew spots, and they were, you know, when they had their opportunities, they were fun in it. But, you know, they just didn't get a whole hell of a lot of opportunities. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I wouldn't call it a good match by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. But I was entertained was by it. a bad match. I, I, I was, I was entertained by it, though. I mean, where I felt it was like an ex exhibition that went really long. And it was all about making the baby faces look really good. And I thought that's what, what, it, what, it, what ended up happening. But... I mean, I, I I just don't think it was very good. Uh, what were you thinking here, John? Well, first of all, you, you said it's about shooters. I thought I'd read somewhere it said hookers, but you know, <laughs> and I got excited, but then I got really let down. 
Okay, that's deep, deep terminology joke there. Um, Gotch looks like a fucking goober. Look, I don't know. I never watched anything <laughs> in Japan, and I know how well revered he is, and I know all that shit. I'm talking about what I'm watching, what I was watching right in front of me. He looks like a fucking goober. I, 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 I they're cheering for him. Great, it works. But I, he has because for all the wind up stuff, which I generally like, he has a weird way of pausing while he's doing it. And that yeah. it's like it's so foreign to him, I guess, but it's working. And at the end, one of the rushes is down on his knees at the end of the match, just like days, and he just saunters up to him and punches him in the face. Yay! Because like, that's what good guys do. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And then the first half, I had to fast forward because I was like, yeah, but that's the style. He, he adapted to that style, all right? The style of, of arm bars and arm drags. Yeah, <laughs> that's the style, all right? You know, and then it, when it kicked in later, it got, it got better. I thought Goulet was outstanding in this. I thought he was the glue. <laughs> Um, I thought Goulet's timing on a lot of the stooge spots was really good. Like that yeah. one where they his back is turned to the Russians, and they look like they're about to sneak attack, but he catches. Right. Yeah, yeah, I caught that. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. timing on that thing was amazing. And one say. of the Russians took a bump to the floor that was wacko. And uh, But, <laughs> again, I'm focused on Gotch a little because I'm just like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? I, I don't like him. I did not enjoy him at all. Wow, okay. So I'm going to say Johnny feels like he's in the minority of gotcha here, Kelly, right? Well, I, I didn't really enjoy him a lot either. I, I enjoyed him, so. Yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't I, over with the crowd because he'd certainly yeah. And I thought he, I thought his wackiness, if he wasn't wacky here, I think I'd been, I would have shot myself because the match would have been terrible. <laughs> It's, He's a divisive figure. It was the way he was doing the wacky. It was this weird, stilted way of doing it that was destroying. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more on Johnny's uh, right, side. Well, then I'm in the minority here, folks. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you want to holler out and tell Johnny and Kelly they're wrong, I won't stop you. He likes um, to pump his fist. You know what? I see guys pumping their fist and it annoys me. It reminds me of shitty music down at the Jersey Shore. It's too much yeah. fist pumping. I'd rather to see that than people, you know, bouncing their foot for a super kick. So, uh. <laughs> I just didn't care for Carl Gus. What's the difference, honestly? Uh, so, 0 for 1 for, for Johnny with the shooters, and I guess I'm going to 0 for 1 too. I enjoyed it. I, 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 I mean, I wish it was shorter. And it, honestly, if Gox wasn't in there, I think it would have been a real chore. Uh, if they just played it straight. Oof. Um,. Next match from Florida oh. is from uh, December, I mean, November 12, 1974. We have uh, Danny Hodge, a young Jose Duke versus Pac Song and Toro Tanaka. You know, I don't, I don't get real excited about just clipped up stuff. Uh, <laughs> so it's just hard to follow anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, I mean, what, what are you thinking here, Kelly? Yeah, well, there's a lot of the, this Florida footage from the time that's the same, joined in progress, clipped. Um, With no, I'm assuming I, I this... I time by calling it joined no. in progress, because, I mean, I mean, this thing was clipped to smithereens. <laughs> right, but, but like, even if something's clipped to smithereens, if Gordon Soley was telling the story over the top of it, I'd be fine with it. But with no narrative, yeah. it's just, I don't know what story they're telling here. 
No, yeah. That's a good point, Johnny. Honestly, a real good point. Yeah, with this foot, you usually or often get uh, Gordon Sully doing commentary, sometimes with Dusty Rhodes or, or a very, you know, a, a bunch of different um, wrestlers. One of the wrestlers in the match, yeah. Yeah. Here we have nothing. I don't know if you guys watched It's in the Hidden Gems. It's the uh, Bob Orton Sr. and Bob Orton Jr. training video. No, Did I'm any... going to now. I uh, loved it. Really? But that one's tough to watch because it's silent. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, it is silent. It yes. Is. But it's so goofy. <laughs> it goes on forever. <laughs> Bob Orton Jr. running alongside <laughs> the, the beach and all that. and, and uh, it's so just, awesome. I know, but it it's si- like completely some... silent. There's no, no, no sound at all. Yeah, sounds you're like right. You're it right, sounds yeah. like something... You... People could have fun with and add their own goofy music. Yeah, it, yeah. It, someone it should. Like something you and Johnny should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine Bob Orton Jr. jogging to the beach to the Rocky music. That's funny. But yeah, I had it on one day and it just it wouldn't end. I didn't watch the whole thing. I, I was like twenty some minutes in and it was still going. Yeah, um, long. I remember that. Twenty minutes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's ridiculously long. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not quite Lex Express three hours. But, uh... <laughs> when you said long, I literally thought you meant like what? Like seven, eight minutes? 20 no. minutes. No, it's oh. like the raw footage of yeah, the them, footage. without them editing it and making the package yet. I see. Yeah. Yeah. They must have, yeah. When it was put on TV, it was obviously edited and. And all that. This was just a imagine Florida Championship Wrestling. They just showed twenty minutes of that. That was a whole episode. Well, they say Paul Barton running. Yeah, that's an entire episode. A silent, dude, they're yeah, they, on guard. They show the war. They show the workout and then the match. Just six minutes long. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Anyway, that was well. That's Florida, and that's kind of what this is all about. Total silence. Um. But Danny Hodge, I mean, to get him on tape is super rare. And um, I'm assuming this one's probably been out there before, but I'm not sure. Because as far as Danny Hodge footage, the only thing off the top of my head that I can think of is from the movie about um, the sister of Mad Dog and Butcher. I think it's a match with him and uh, Gerald Briscoe. Okay. Yeah, I, that, yeah. Anyway, the Wrestling Queen, it's from Mid-South or Tri-States or whatever it was called then. I think it's him and Bill Watts in a tag against uh, somebody. Against Leroy McGurk? <laughs> yeah, for control of the territory. <laughs> for control of the territory. Um, yeah, so yeah, not much here, really. Hodge, uh, this was, he had a, not even two years left. He was in a car wreck oh. in 1976 and broke his neck, and he never wrestled again. He's still alive, though. Um, he was, like, I mean, Hodge in the 50s, even to this day, he's considered like one of the greatest college wrestlers mm-hmm. the United States ever produced. He was... He did honestly, the apple correction. Yeah, he did the apple correction. He appeared on the cover of Sports Illustrated mm-hmm. in the 50s when he was at, at Oklahoma. Um... Yeah, the only YouTube uh, video is they have uh, Jerry Briscoe versus Danny Hodge from Georgia Championship Wrestling okay. for about 10 minutes from 73. Hmm. I've, yeah, I've never seen that. Um, 
So, unfortunately, though, you don't get to see a lot of Hodge in this match. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, like, what the hell? <laughs> he tags out what to the Yeah, you. that's a Okay, let's talk, let's talk about this. Let's talk about young Joe LaDuke. That's something <laughs> to look at, man. Because he's young and, yeah. and solid. He's not flabby. Yeah. He's solid. He's spry. And he's a baby face. Yeah. What the fuck is going on here? This 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 was baffling to watch. I wanted to know this story. Uh, and who is the manager of the bad guys? Uh, Gary Hart. Was that Gary Hart? Yeah. Oh, because yep. you only saw him for a second. But mm-hmm. mm. this was the year Dusty turned babyface uh-huh. uh, against Pac Song. Right. I know. I've seen that. And then they had a huge feud. And yeah, uh, Gary Hart was the manager. Um. But yeah, Toro Tanaka. I wasn't aware he was in Florida at this point. But I, I don't really know a lot about Florida in the seventies, other than the big, big name stuff. I mean, I think everyone worked Florida at some point. Yeah, it was a desirable territory to go to because the weather was so nice, and it was actually not too complicated as far as driving uh, went between the between the major spots. And yeah, and Eddie Graham was a great booker. Uh, Florida was one of the top territories of the seventies. They drew great crowds throughout the decade um, and had a great talent roster. But back to your but, back to your point, it, it's just like, and here's the Danny Hodge in our hidden gems drop of shit, <laughs> and it's all young Joe Laduke. That's that's the match. <laughs> that's you know Hodge is in it. Yep, he yeah. tags out right away. Leduc's in there, uh, and and then the heels get heat on Leduc for quite a while. Uh, you got a house of fire from Danny Hodge. Lots of punches. Again, he doesn't really wrestle like a shooter, quote unquote. Um, Most of them did it. I mean, that's like anyone expecting, yeah. expecting that was is. Yeah, well, who was it? Like Jim Cornette said. I mean, fake shoot fighting is is not exciting. No, not at all. No. Uh, he was the junior heavyweight champion of the NWA for decades, pretty much. Right. Uh, I think uh, he was one of the only guys to hold the title uh, when he retired. Yeah. Um, Hodge did get the pin on Tanaka after a, a chaos with all four men in the ring. But, yeah, there wasn't much to this, unfortunately. Anything you want to add, Johnny? No, that's it. Yeah, really not much. I mean, honestly, yeah, it's just... Hey, anytime I see anything from Florida, I really don't get too excited about, because uh, it's just not in, in context. Uh, okay, yeah, to, that, to that point, Pete, that reminds me, because when I was a kid, when we were in the, in the 80s, reading the magazines, guys, the stories about Florida was like, why can't I see this? I, I had access to so much, but I didn't have access to that. And as it slowly trickled out at me, it's always been kind of like, eh, the, at least what you're seeing and the, the, it's stuff like this and the highly clipped matches. It's like, oh, maybe it wasn't as great as legend might have made it out to be. Maybe uh, live at the arena it I'm might sure have been. Live so, yeah. at the arena. I'm talking about the way this, the, the footage and the TV is. Yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't, yeah, I'm with you on that one, John. Yeah, you remember all the TV, you know, the Dusty Roads, and then again, you know, they've I mean, there was, you've got a lot of highlights of Dusty from Florida, and they just don't, you know, 
it just it, it's 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 neat moments, but really you don't capture you know, it's hard to capture the whole the whole thing. It's just I don't know. And to be fair, some of the hottest stuff ever is stuff I've never seen leaked uh, based on what I like. The majority of Florida I've seen is like eighty five. In the 80s. Oh, yeah, it was yeah, in a death, death spiral there. There's some good stuff in the early 80s with Dusty and um, the Assassin. And, and well, and yeah, I Sullivan. love that. Of yeah. Yeah, Sullivan. Assassin's such a great promo. Yeah. yeah. The one where the Assassin um, uh, comes in first. dressed up as El Santo. That's, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that was great. That's a great angle. Yeah, that one's out there. That's on YouTube. Um yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, there it's true. There isn't a lot. Yeah, it's not they organized. They visit that angle in WCW in what ninety seven, ninety six, no ninety five or something. Did they ninety four? Yeah. Oh, with the assassin and Dusty. Yeah. Yeah, when the assassin was uh, managing, was kind of bleeding into the Dustin Orndorff feud. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh. But yeah, but then we go into your 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 neck of the woods, Kelly Stampede. No, no, no. We'll do Winnipeg because uh, that's actually. Oh, um, May. That's right. It's May, isn't it? The, yeah. the date. The date on the network is wrong. It's actually May nineteenth, nineteen eighty three, uh, for the Winnipeg AWA match. Yeah, this but, is Martel and uh, Billy Robinson, which mm-hmm. has been out there. But this footage is so much nicer than what uh, has been out there. Uh, right. What did you think of this one, Kel? Um, again, I was... Progress. Yeah, it's so trending like progress. 18 of the, we get about, what, about 16 or 18 minutes of the... Yeah. 24, 25, so you yeah. get to get... You understand the story, what's going on. Yeah. Right after the footage starts, you get the 10-minute call. From Mean Gene, actually, yeah, Mean Gene's the announcer here. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, I like also... to think he's at the table with the headset announcing and the live mic, and he's just switching back and forth. Yeah, because he is also doing the live announcing as well. But this was probably post-produced mm-hmm. commentary. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of footage of the AWA from Winnipeg. This. Uh, yeah, there's I an mean, Andre Bockwinkle one, I think, in, uh, in the Andre yes. collection. Yes, yep, and that was in full for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, there was a TV show when um, – it's it's the Canadian version of ESPN. It's TSN, the sports network. When they first started, they showed a lot of Winnipeg footage, uh, AWA footage. So that's where I think a lot of this comes from. Although this, I think, predated TSN. Anyway, uh, one of the great things about this match is Lord Al Hayes yeah. at ringside with a mustache. With his mustache, I guess. So, so that, <laughs> that just brings up um, Al Hayes is out of here like a motherfucker very soon of the AWA, right? Is yes. Four. Uh, it's actually eighty-three. Oh, eighty-three. The da- so the, it was, the yeah. date was wrong on it. Oh, the yeah. date was wrong. Okay. But I think he turns up in New York before the end of 1983, if I'm okay. not. Yeah, because so, he's at – he interviews Backlund after Backlund that's loses right, that's right. to the Iron Sheik, so that was late 80. So you think when he, when he shows up, uh, the first thing Vince says to him is like, how attached are you to that mustache, pal? Not at all. <laughs> not, not at all. <sighs> yeah, he's an interesting presence. 
in this. He stands almost like a statue in the corner for long periods of time. He does nothing. He gives no shits because <laughs> he knows he's going to New York. He gives no yeah, shits. Yeah, it's like his body atrophied right before the finish because <laughs> it took him forever to get him to this. Oh, yeah, the, foot, uh, the finish was totally fucked up. It was the only uh, thing I did. He don't give a fuck. He's out of there. Vern can kiss his British ass. He's going to New York. Yeah. So, I mean, there was some great offense from Robinson, as usual. Uh, Martel was in great shape here. Um, we get a long headlock spot by Martel, almost like a Backlund-esque uh, headlock spot that goes on for a long yeah, time. Yeah, except Billy really wasn't. Billy was more than happy to... I mean, he was working it, but he was more than happy to sit in that thing for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love Ricky Martel so much, and I'm a pretty big fan of Billy Robinson, too, but this match didn't really click for me. Um, It was good, but... And then the finish, like we've said, was clunky as hell with Hayes very late with the interference, and the referee saw the whole thing, basically, but had... Had to count the pin because that was the planned finish. So it just looked really bad. Um, Robinson wins. Tainted finish. Um, yeah, not the best uh, match uh, from some Hall of Fame talent, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, we didn't get to see Billy on top all that much. I mean, we see it early on. And what he was doing, I thought was really good, you know. I mean, he's after Martel's back. We see the backbreaker. He hooks on a bear hug, then hits, like, a really beautiful gun wrench suplex out of it. Yeah, that was nice. And, and Martel's good underneath, you know? He's selling because he's fucking Rick Martel. And uh, mm-hmm. another nice touch, I thought, was when Martel bumped Robinson uh, outside the ring. Yeah, um, And great. Martel starts stretching his back. That has been worked over. I thought that was really, really nice. Uh, nice, nice. Yeah, Martel, development. Martel plays to the cheap seats. Here, yes. you know, oh, and that's a sense. skill for a guy who is gonna be the champion there pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, and this is, and then these, which, uh, all this is pretty interesting. And then Robinson targets the arm, and Martel does this almost like lucha esque escape out of it, which was awesome. Then you see him throwing blows, which were was okay. Um, Martel hits a neck breaker and then it works transitions with Martel on top. And this is where the match kind of grinds to a halt because he's doing like you were saying, the the backland headlock, but not as good as Bob did it. And uh and Robinson he showed some fight, but he was more than happy to, to sit in it. Uh Lord Howell's interference, the son of the Robinson wins sucked. Um <laughs> the match began the, to me and dragged towards the end and took Lord Al forever to climb that thing and grab Martel's leg. I mean, I thought it was like two and three, four stars. It wasn't bad. I, I feel like if uh, Martel could have done something a little more interesting or did something, or maybe they structured it a little differently. Maybe Martel did his shine early and did the headlock stuff, and then we would see Robinson's heat. Maybe it maybe would have... Uh, Made me enjoy it more, but yeah, it still felt like it was something was missing out of the match. What about you, John? Well, I, this was the last thing I watched. Well, until the, the incident, we watched something uh, today. <laughs> but uh, and 
out of everything I watched for this, I thought this was the best match. Perfect, be perfectly honest, I think it was great. But there was enough about it I was liking. I like Billy Robinson. Love Rick Martel. I like Lord Alfred Hayes just standing around not giving a fuck. Um, <laughs> and the AWA presentation brought me back. The, the quality of this footage really reminded me, because it, it felt very live. The mics under the ring were loud, and Mean Gene was blaring his voice. And it brought... This, it brought back a memories of being at Pro Wrestling USA shows, which were essentially AWA shows. And yeah. the way the at the Meadowlands, with the way the lights were on the ring and the way the ring looked and everything about the sound of it, that brought me back. And so I thought, I think maybe that was more of a you know reflex and going, ah, this ain't so bad. It reminds me of you know uh, those good times. Um, but Al Hayes does do a great fucking bit because okay, he cheats. And then he gets in the ring, and Rick Martel's furious. And he goes over to shake Rick Martel's hand. Like, oh, yeah, it's all fair and love and awe. And Martel's, like, not having any of it. And, and Hayes is like, oh, well, how dare you not shake my hand and leaves. And I was like, oh, he did that. That was kind of fun. But otherwise, yeah, he, he didn't give a fuck. And uh, I, think this was, I, think, I think I was more impressed with the quality of the footage than I was anything else. That's fair enough, fair enough. Um... Then we head over to your area now, Kelly. Uh, Stampede, uh, August 12, 1983. It's clipped. We have Takata versus Anthony Foley. You know, I've always hated the way those Stampede rings look. Um, <laughs> come on. Uh, Absolutely okay. hated them. Um, it looks so bland <laughs> and boring. And... Well, they didn't have a lot of money, Pete. That was the Yeah, problem. and then that fucking... Uh, Ding-a-ling-ling uh, uh, announcer. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know what? Of course, Ed Whalen gets goes, dragged through the I wish we could have shown this match in full. <laughs> he said yeah. that every time. And he was the one responsible for the cliff job. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, it's hard to get anything out of this. Uh, uh uh, but what, 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 I mean, this Foley character looks like a pretty. It looks, he looks interesting. Mm. He looks like the menace, like you know, this, he looks like the stereotypical uh, wrestling heel from the eighties. He's a punk uh, rocker. He's, he's you a, know, he's a punk yeah. rocker. He's a punk rocker from. He, he hails from Cesspool, England. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. I love it. But yeah, again, I didn't get much out of this. What about what about? I'll ask you, Kelly. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're just going on the footage, there's not much here, but the stories behind the individuals in this match are quite interesting. Um, Nobuhiko Takada in Japan is a legend. Yes. Yeah. Is that a Hall of Famer? Yeah, I've read the stories. Uh, Meltzer's written about him quite a bit. Can't say I've ever seen him wrestle before this. Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I've never gone that deep into Japanese footage. Hey, yeah. there's a couple of bangers of Bob Backlund in the 90s. Oh, yeah, because he's most famous for his matches with Vader in, yeah. like, 93, 94, 95. Um, he was part of the UWFI, like, the heavy uh, shoot-style um, promotion in Japan. And yeah, Bob tried to do a uh, short-arm scissors pickup with him, I believe. And the guy yeah. wanted nothing to do with that. Wow, he sandbagged Bob. 
Yeah. Is was he the guy that Bob wrestled in Japan that Bob got like knocked out against? Yep. yep. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, as a fucking Takata, as a Bob Backlund fan, and a guy who just two weeks ago decided his new current uh, bathroom reread book was is Bob Backlund's biography, and that's for real. That's fucked up. What's wrong with you? Knocking out Bob <laughs> Backlund in a pro wrestling match. Go, go, yeah, eat a dick. <laughs> I agree. I mean, as as Titans, we have to stand up for Bob against these dirty Japanese and invaders. And to be fair, they told Bob not to fucking do the move yet. He still insists on doing it. Uh, it's because it's one anyway. of the spots, and he's a professional wrestler. Jesus Christmas. Yeah. So, like, yeah, and in uh, Japan in the 90s, they do the invasion with UWFI invading New Japan, and that was one of the main inspirations for the NWO angle because Bischoff was there, and um, New Japan and WCW had a good relationship at that time. So Bischoff saw that unfold. So yeah, hugely influential individual and Hall of Famer, like you said, Pete. Um, Athel Foley has an interesting story too that I didn't I'm know. Sure until. he does. I'm sure he, rob- he robbed a bank. It's got. <laughs> Was was he was he Johnny K9's accomplice? <laughs> that would have been interesting. Um, so yes, he is English. His real name is Bernie Wright, oh. and he is the uncle of Das Wunderkind, Alex Wright. Really? Oh wow, cool. Yeah, because his brother, Stephen Wright's brother. Yeah, his brothers with uh, Alpha Foley or Bernie Wright. Oh. So there's the connection. Um, if he did the dance in this match, he'd be my favorite wrestler ever. <laughs> you can kind of see there's a, a bit of a resemblance. Especially the height no, and the body, you can definitely see it. Espe- yeah. Especially when it's Alex Wright as Berlin. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. when he shaves yeah. his head. Yeah. Totally. I, mean, I wonder if he was inspired by his uncle. By his uncle. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I'm cesspool. Cesspool. So I guess the story is that um, the Wright brothers went to Japan or not Japan, Germany and wrestled. And, and I guess uh, Stephen Wright married a Fräulein. And uh, yeah, Alex was the um, result of that. When you say Stephen and, Wright, man, all I can think of is a dead, right. you know, the comedian. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah. Even funnier. <laughs> That's who it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was a wrestler before he became a stand-up. I wrestled all over Europe. <laughs> and he developed, uh, yeah, he dropped his English accent. Um, so Bernie Wright, this was, you know, he wrestled in Calgary and Vancouver in 83, 84. But otherwise, he was strictly a European wrestler uh, and some Jap- uh, Japanese wrestling, too. Um but he's playing the son of J.R. Foley, oh, who, yes. oh. <laughs> who was heel manager. Yeah, longtime heel manager. Oh, okay. In Calgary, originally he was just John Foley. He was British. Um, he actually, I mean, John Foley wrestled uh, for World of Sports in England. Shooter. Yeah, was a legit shooter. But he, in Calgary, he always played the kind of chicken shit manager. I mean, he was small. Um, and then he became J.R. Foley, and he inherited a bunch of money, and he became like an aristocrat, basically. Wait, 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 the- did, wait, did, did, now, this was a Dallas thing, right? 
Yes, and the JR part was because Dallas was the top show, and JR was a wealthy uh, oil t- tycoon. Um, so they put that to his character, and then at some point he adds the Hitler what? gimmick. Yeah. Because yeah. at JR this point, Hitler? he's got the whole Hitler look, he's got the Hitler mustache, he's got the brown shirt uniform, the helmet. Holy fuck. And when I got into Stampede in 1986, he was still there, and he was doing, still doing the Hitler gimmick at that point. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, who, Athel's who supposed to be... the two most a... evil men a lot ever? J.R. Ewing <laughs> and Hitler. I'm going to do them both. Yeah, and, and it's totally uh, Bruce Hart booking right wow. there. That's, That's Bruce Hart booking 101 with the most outrageous um, characters. That you could possibly think of. Yeah, Stu uh, didn't once go, e, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know, Brucey. <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> Christmas, that's awful. A British Nazi. A yeah. British Nazi. The worst kind of Nazi. <laughs> okay, so that's all of the, the stories uh, behind that one. This was filmed, um, well, Takata, this was his only um, excursion to North America that I can tell uh, from wrestling data. He came to Stampede, wrestled there a few months, and that was it. Um, otherwise, he just wrestled in Japan pretty much his whole career. Wow. Yeah, so this is pretty rare footage, unique footage. Um, you can notice a lot of Japanese photographers at ringside because this was this was because um, he was like uh, Ed Whalen said he was. Pushed as Inoki's protege, mm-hmm. he was a, he was a big deal in Japan. Oh, yeah. And yeah, this... and, and, and you got to remember, Inoki originally when he thought power in New Japan, he kind of wanted to go in the shoot direction, and uh, the Katakana mm-hmm. was his guy. Yeah, yeah. But there, that at some point he breaks away from New Japan and and goes to the UWFI and all that. Yes. I don't know. The, I don't know the story. Exactly behind that. Things get really complicated. Could you complicated. work for Antonio Inoki for any extended period of fucking time? <laughs> motherfuckers nuts. Yeah, that's true. Um, I wanted to make a note about the card system in Stampede, because I don't know when oh, I'll... Yeah. I'll Please. Oh, yeah, I'll ever... yellow cards <laughs> yeah, out here. I was going wait. to ask. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know if I'll ever talk about this again. Please. So, basically, it was inspired by soccer. Um, of course, with the, the cards system in soccer, where if you get... Yeah, this is a Bruce Hart idea. This is a Bruce Hart yes, idea. this was another Bruce Hart <laughs> booking specialty. Um, and German wrestling, German professional wrestling uses the card system, and there was a lot of um, talent and, exchange. And, 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 and they do rounds and stuff, so it actually makes a lot more sense in, in that structure. So Bruce Hart I, is obsessed with Germany all of a sudden, and that's the booking? Hitler, (laughs) Jesus Christ. He was quite the uh, German enthusiast, apparently. Mm. Um, So here, I'll explain how it works. You get a yellow card. That's like a warning. So for doing something dirty, pulling hair, cheating of some sort, holding the tights. And if you get two yellow cards, that equals a red card, and that's a disqualification. Um, and there's also a black card, the rarely used black Ooh. card, which was a suspension. If you got a oh. black card, you you were suspended. I I, no. I I can only think of one wrestler that got a black card when I was watching Steve DeSalvo. Do you know Steve oh, yeah, DeSalvo? Yeah, he was a big jacked, super roided up 
motherfucker in the 80s, and he got a black card for, uh, I don't know, I think he assaulted a referee, if did I remember correctly. <laughs> did he come back? Uh, I, th- I think he was actually going uh, to another territory, and it was just a way to write him, off, write him out. Okay, I'll tell you what, um, as much as I laugh at that, when I first started going to Ring of Honor shows, and I don't know how much old Ring of Honor you watch, Pete. They had um, the pure rules belt or some shit like that. Yeah, where you couldn't. Uh, you had yeah. five breaks and then five, that. Uh, five. Yeah. And yeah. once you used them, you couldn't have any more rope breaks. Yeah, that. But it was also the way they counted disqualifications. In it, like if you cheated and the referee catches it once. Uh, every warning is you lose a a rope break or some bullshit like that. So, as convoluted as this is, I'm good. I've seen worst. <laughs> it reminds me, of, <laughs> but it reminds me of that. It, it kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, Whalen gets in one funny line, or at least I thought. I, I thought Whalen was fine here. I, I love Ed. I, I'll defend him to my dying day, but. Um, he comments on Athel's hair, saying it's courtesy of Wee Willie yeah. Winky's poodle parlor. Yes. <laughs> Which, if you're familiar with Ed's commentary, that's like such a Ed ism, <laughs> something like saying something like that. Okay. Um, and, and the yeah. funny thing is, who's the guy who's his Ed McMahon? Because he, he's there's a guy like get, he's getting laughs from that he's interacting with every now and then. You hear him react to that and laugh. Uh, like he's a, a guy sitting at the table next to him. Right. I'm not a hundred percent sure at this point who is like often Ed was just solo. And then at different points he had a color guy. Um, or he's just when I, he's just riffing with, yeah, the it could have been just, yeah. I, I don't know if it was anyone who actually was doing commentary. Uh, later you'd have Jim Davies as his, uh, color guy, and he was he was pretty horrible. Oh, no, this was definitely not another color commentator. This was like yeah. you hear the whisper and the laughter in the background. Like he's like he, anyway, anyway <laughs> he's got an audience, and he's gonna like in, put on a little comedy show for the guy. Oh, probably. Yeah. Oh, Waylon was he was a ham. He loved to. Oh yeah. If you if you've seen any stampede footage, um, Waylon's famous for his interactions with the heels, the interview segments where he you know just. You know, pulls the mic away. <laughs> okay, I've heard enough from you. You're lying. You've always lied. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big fan of Whalen. Though that's the best Ed Whalen are the interview segments. Uh, the commentary on the match is not so much, maybe. But uh, anyway, I'll always stand up for Ed. Um, the match wasn't much. Takata wowed the crowd with uh, the missile drop kicky hit. Yeah. That, that was pretty huge for the time. Um, and flashy offense leading to the pin, and he got a big pop for the win. And, yeah, that's about it. Anything, any thoughts, John? Uh, but just that the, the card that uh, Ed was building up. Uh, right for Victoria, I believe. Yeah, but, <laughs> Another place where I lived when I was younger. Uh, it, it, but it sounded like it. that's a hell of a card for the AWA to be setting up there. There was uh, Dr. D. David Schultz versus Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA title. And I'm like, Dr. D. David Schultz in Calgary is going to be a super over baby face against Bockwinkle. I'd, I'd like to see that match. Yeah. yeah. Bockwinkle. Yeah. Bockwinkle came to Calgary quite a bit. Actually the card Ed was hyping was for Vancouver. Oh, is that it? Uh, and, and yeah. Andre, there was an Andre appearance. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, Calgary actually uh, took over Vancouver at this point 
in kind of like a little known. It wasn't even a promotional war, really. Well, it kind of was because Vancouver had their own uh, territory still going, but it was dying big time. And Calgary came in and ran some very big shows um, with with NWA talent, AWA talent and stuff. And and uh, there's some names coming up there. Mm hmm. Yeah, they were uh, ahead of their time for those shows because they were co-promoted by uh, Brian Adams' manager. And the Brian Adams, the musician? Yeah, the Brian. Yeah, because he's from Vancouver. Oh, no. And... no the Brian Adams, the dumb wrestler. Of course, Brian yeah. Adams. <laughs> and he brought uh, the, the manager of Brian Adams brought like the rock concert atmosphere oh. to the wrestling shows with music and 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 better lighting and all that stuff oh, that sounds and, that sounds great yeah apparently they were like uh, really ahead of their time shows in vancouver in uh, 1983 oh and one last thing this was actually my favorite match i, I totally forgotten about it uh, not the martell <laughs> <laughs> there oh, we wow. go yes so calgary wins so the shortest one um, uh, yeah, I was more hey, what's going on on Pro Wrestling Only, John, before we move into the main event? <laughs> All right, let me, let me clear my throat. <clears> throat. Hey, check out ProWrestlingOnly.com to explore other podcasts along with match reviews, features, and retrospectives, reviews of wrestling books, video games and matches, playlists, wrestler appearances in non-wrestling TV shows, and movies and more. You can also join the conversation by signing up at the PWO forums. They've been online for over a decade and with over 2,000 registered members and an archive of over 4 million threads. 4 million? Their message board is a vibrant community all its own. Whether you want to talk about a specific match in their match discussion archive, take a deep dive in the microscope forum, or discuss more general topics from wrestling's past and present, check out all this and more at www.prowrestlingonly.com. Kelly, you got any podcast info? I do. Um, and speaking of uh, ROH, I'm going to talk about the Through the Years podcast. I believe that's how you say it. It's T-H-R-O-H, the years. Um, this is episode 27. The tradition continues, and I think they're looking at a show that features AJ Styles versus CM Punk. That sounds like a tasty match. From what, year, and, from what year? Do you know what year? Um, no, but I'm assuming oh four ish. I might. Have, um, if, if that was at the Rexplex, I was at. That was my first Ring of Honor show. Well, yeah, because uh, your boy Samoa Joe took on Jay Briscoe. Does that ring in any the bells? Cage? I I don't know if it was in a cage. Oh, I just have yeah. I was at the participants. Oh, I so was, you were at that show? Well, my, you should. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm all in now. That you was should listen bath. to that show. It was, the, it was the worst bloodbath I've ever seen. In, really? In pro wrestling ever. Uh, Jay wow. Bristow, I, I, they'll talk about it. Oh, my God. Fantastic. There you go. There's some great publicity for I that, went into that I went into that Ring of Honor show going, hey, I'm going to this indie, and walked out a super fan of Samoa Joe and this promotion. So Wow. That sounds, that sounds like a great show. That's great. On who booked this? Uh, Stephen Graham and Jared Goldberger. <laughs> This is this is not so great wrestling, obviously, compared to ROH. This is uh, they're looking at Jeff Jarrett versus Diamond Dallas Page versus anyone want to guess who the David third man Arquette. in this? <laughs> yes, David Arquette. And, and it's timely because Arquette's making his return yes. and making return dates on the Indies lately. And good for him. Yes, 
Yeah, that's true. He's trying to redeem himself all these years later. Uh, that, that's that's what his motivation is, apparently. Look, I'm now. I'm, look, I'm sure that they're going to go into that on that show, but he redeemed himself while he was doing it. There, you know, with uh, when it comes to how he was compensated and what he did with the money he was right, right. That's true, but not too many people knew of that at the time, unfortunately, and he was. Uh, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it was fucking Vince Russo. It wasn't yeah. David Arquette. It was that nightmare situation like, that was going on. Like, what, suddenly everyone hates the guy who was great and Scream? God, that was not his fault. Yeah. I mean, I know I, I, that was pretty much where I stopped watching WCW. I do know that. Oh, I'd given up um, way, way earlier. I, I started, I, but I came back for uh, the whole reboot where they, they brought in the new blood and, yeah, and I, the I, bil- I millionaires little, club. I did a little too, just to go, do they, yeah. do they got anything here? Nah, no, nah, no, they don't. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, there wasn't much. Anyway, they're looking at that match. I think Arquette was already the world champion going into that match, I want to say. Um, uh, well, there's still... Yeah, I don't know. How about this? How about they listen to the show yeah, and find yeah, out? Yeah. Yes, yes. Good, um, good for you, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> greetings from Allentown. Peter Winson's great show. And this week he's – last week he looked at WCW Saturday Night from 1999, a beer show. This week he's looking at WWF Shotgun Saturday Night Ooh. from August 14th, 1999. I didn't know the show lasted that long. Uh, apparently it's the – an ultimate episode in its run. Uh, so check that out. I'm sure there'll be some, well, there'll be stuff that nobody's ever discussed before on, in podcast forum. Uh, if you're looking at that show um, and then Peter always does a great job. And my fellow Vancouverites, Max and Travis, Lucha Afterground uh, this week, season four, episodes 16 and 17 dropped uh, that they analyzed. So check that out. And Pete. Tell us about This Week in Wrestling. Yeah, This Week in Wrestling, Tim and I will be talking about the latest episode of NXT. MLW uh, Fusion episode, I believe it's 24, where they have uh, a knockdown brawl between Penta uh, El Zero versus L.A. Park. Um, mm. And then we'll also be looking at the uh, sub-Southern Underground Pro uh, uh, show. So here are takes and opinions on all, all those things that's going on. Now we're into the main event, and we're talking Luthez versus Wild Bill Longston from uh, uh, June 17th at 1952. This is black and white, so I can totally understand where it's not up everyone's alley. Um, <laughs> but these guys are both legends, both Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame guys in the Hall of Fame. Uh, before we get to the match, though, after watching it, I will say Longston is what they always said Dory Funk Jr. was. <laughs> in the sense, he was a technical heel. And that you clearly got that here. And I thought he really outclassed Dez in this match. Uh, what's your take on that opinion there, Kelly? Uh, well, first off, this is from the Sportatorium. Yes. And this is our, our usual stomping grounds. Um 30 years before we uh, picked up things. Crazy. I'm not sure. When was the Sportatorium built? I think it was probably 
in the twenties or something. It was an old as fuck building. History, yeah, big time history. Yeah. Um. So this is cool. A few of these matches from the Sportatorium from this time have yeah. dribbled out, um, as Johnny well knows. Yes. Yeah, uh, over the years. Although I'm not sure if that one's from the Sportatorium or not. It is. But, it was. Uh, it is. Is it? Oh it yeah. Is. Okay. 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 Um. Again, one yeah, of the lo- reasons why I became confused. Yes. Yeah. It's. It was Texas wrestling. Yeah. That was. That was the show. Um. So Longson, yeah, I mean, he is one of the all-time great draws. Uh, if you look at guys who uh, were main eventing shows that drew over ten thousand, he's up there as far as the grand total goes, like top creator five. Of I the, think. Creator of the pile driver. Okay, oh, so really? he innovated the pile driver. That's wow. There's another you know achievement. Okay. Or that he gets credit for it anyway. Did he name well, it? Because I was not to give it either way. I was shocked that when he used the pile driver, the announcer said, that's yeah. his pile driver. And I was like, wait, 1952? They called that yeah. a pile driver? Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, too. Awesome. Um, I Yeah, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about the technical heel thing until you mentioned it, Pete. But, yeah, that that's true. Um, but he's so much more of a heel yeah, than Dory Funk Jr. Yeah, he's like... A proto- prototypical heel in so many ways. Like, um, the working technical style, I like working the match. Yeah, 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 totally. But he, he's like so much cheating. I mean, there's no, there's nothing sympathetic about him. Like nobody would like this. He's a total scumbag. He oh, looks, yeah. he looks like Ed Bagley Jr. from Twelve Angry Men, and that's not <laughs> yeah. a pleasant character. Yeah. yeah, he's got yeah, he's got the perfect face for a heel. The, the the hair too and just he he reminds me of Mick McManus from World of Sport Wrestling if you're familiar with him there he was the quintessential heel sort of of their promotion and the Carl Gotch like body you know yeah um, there's not too much footage of him out there that's for sure because he was this big star of the 40s longs and he was um, in St. Louis and huge and star in St. Louis, yeah, yeah, big star, huge. And later, like, um, he would be the guy that would come out and break up brawls when he was older on St. Louis TV. Like, yep. things he was used as the guy that was kind of like the old sheriff sort of thing. Um, that would come out, you know, oh, you know, things are serious now. If Wild Bill's coming out to break up a brawl, uh, yeah, total legend. Of course, as super legend, we've we've discussed him before. We've looked at matches of his over the years. Legendary Lou, this one's called. And we have Ray Gunkel as the referee. Um, he's got an interesting story. You know, he eventually buys into the Atlanta territory, Georgia, and becomes the, the promoter there. And... He just before he died, he signed a deal with Ted Turner to get uh, his show on TV, and that and was he the was beginning. Murdered by Ox Baker. Yes, um, that was how um, wrestling got on Turner's channel for the first time. And then, yeah, like literally, like a couple months later, he died after a match with Ox Baker, mm-hmm. where apparently the heart punch actually did lead to his death. Um, 
it, it was a, like a stiff blow that somehow he already had heart disease, I guess. And it, and it just, it, it you know, it, really? it, it made him. That, that, that had nothing to do with it. Really? Well, I don't know. Late in the last observer, actually, really? Meltzer, because um, Ted Turner is, is basically, he's got Alzheimer's or, or like a, a, a form of Alzheimer's. Yeah, it's terrible. And, terrible. Yeah, it's a very terrible, horrible thing. But anyway, Meltzer is kind of was telling like Turner's story in, in wrestling and his association with wrestling. He writes this long article. It's really good. And he tells the story of Gunkel dying and he, and he explains it that way that it was kind of um, as a result of the shoot or the heart punch. Um, and, and yeah, well, it was the doubt Dave Meltzer. Okay. Well, uh, know, I'll, I'll leave that on the table, but let me ask you this, both of you guys, because it just, this occurred to me. Whatever Hall of Fame you subscribe to in wrestling, you know, whatever, like, would you think Ted Turner belongs in one? That's a tough one because, you know, he had, he was responsible for TBS and he was responsible for the success of Georgia wrestling, but he wasn't you know, hands-on in any way, well, right? But, it was just... But, but I mean, he, he, through his media empire, the one thing he never gave up on was pro wrestling and the masses had, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think he belongs because he's, he's removed him from his history and mm-hmm. the history of wrestling would be completely different, right? Yeah. Um, so I he think, yeah, wrestling. I think he... It's not like, you know... Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. There's the famous story of him telling there was a meeting and the executives were telling him, well, let's cancel wrestling. And he said, no, that's never going to happen because I built the station on wrestling and, you know, he built that, he never built, bring that up again. He built that station. I built this station on wrestling and the Griffith show reruns and Atlanta Braves baseball. And yeah. that's what. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Gunkel's the ref here, and uh, he's quite young. He, I, I don't think I've ever seen Ray Gunkel before. I have. Um, Johnny has, but <laughs> I haven't. Um, I don't know who the announcer is, though, but he's pretty good. Uh, subdued, professional. I, I, I thought for like a, you know, when you think of the announcers from this time, they're often, you know, kind of making fun of wrestling as they're announcing it, whereas this guy played it totally straight. Okay, and this then, way. He's the best announcer we've had on Worldcast yet. I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. Uh, but of, of the classic 50s wrestling announcers, he might be the blandest I've heard. I love the voice. I love the cadence. He's, but he's also the promoter because he said his name in, uh, at, at, at the end of this match. And it, 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 as... And I'm the promoter, something, something, something. So, oh, really? Yes, he wasn't a professional uh-huh. announcer. Hmm. I didn't catch that part. So anyway, this is a three-fall match, as as the NWA World Title matches were at the time. And rather short for one, when you really think about it. Yeah. When I saw that it was only 19 minutes, I thought, wow. Um, God, usually they go 42 minutes at least. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting. I okay, stick it in slow. Stick it in nice and slow. And just twist well, the rest of everyone knows, Dum Dum over there, uh, Southern Reed, and he, uh, 
And he watched uh, Taz Gunkle. Well, okay. Yeah, explain yourself, Johnny. You know, let's, let's just get this out of the way. So <laughs> I asked for uh, the list. Hey, what are we watching? And Kelly kindly sent it to me. And I went over it real quickly on my phone while on the job, you know, making restaurants clean and safe for people to eat because I'm a hero. <laughs> and and I saw the Thez thing and saw the date on it. And <laughs> when I went to watch it yesterday, I just went, let me go back as far as possible. 1951, Luthez in the Sportatorium, Texas Wrestling. Versus Ray Guggle, 42 minutes. Get, I, 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 I contact these fine fellas. And it's going to be the worst the more I say it out loud. Um, and I'm like, 42 <laughs> minutes? And Kelly's like, nah, man, it's about 20. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I sat down to watch it that evening. And I'm like, no, it's fucking 42. And I'm like, maybe it's, there's shit on here. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. And I noticed that the first fall ended at the 20-minute mark. <laughs> and I knew that I was, I went, I went, hey, what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, we're, we're, oh Wild, Wild Bill who? Oh, <laughs> good thing I had already decided I'm not watching a 42-minute Luthes Ray Gunkel match. And it was like fast-forwarding in real fast increments. So, <laughs> my bad, but... I didn't actually watch a 42-minute match. Thank God. Yeah. I remember back on Titans, he used to skip the Inoki matches. Well, that just makes sense. <laughs> he ate his notes. <laughs> yeah, the he dog ate his notes. Speaking yeah. of, you know, I, I want to contact Parvin and ask him if he lives anywhere near Cesspool, England. You know. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, that's humorous. So this one, yeah, it's only 20 minutes. I mean, for a 50s title match, NWA title match. This is, you know, a brisk, uh, very, very I, short I match. I watched it while eating my dinner today, so. Yeah. Um, but I liked it a lot, actually. Um, I want to point out there's a good-looking woman at you ringside. See her smoking? Yes, in a dress smoking. And you know who that is? Who? That's that's Polly Red. <laughs> Oh, Isn't that what we named Polly it? Polly that's, young Polly, that's Young Polly Red? That's yeah. Young Polly Fam? Yeah, it's Young Polly Red. That's what yeah. she looked like in the Sportatorium in 1950. 30 years. <laughs> Smoking will do that to I you. I know. Man. But look at her here, man. I She's know. Gorgeous. She She's sitting in the very corner. Very sexy. Legs all hotter than fucking Georgia asphalt. <laughs> Smoking a goddamn cigarette. <laughs> looking like, I mean, she looked out of place. Yeah, totally. that, I, I noticed her too. Oh, Polly. Yeah. Oh, 30 years will do that to you. Anyway, and to so the match. And lots of. <laughs> <laughs> to the match. Um, Longston's cheating all kinds of tactics, um, punches, rough stuff, and Fez finally gets enough. Um,. Fez is so quick and agile here. I, I'm I've, every time I see Fez from this time, I'm so impressed, and I totally understand why he was such a star. Uh, he was he was a really really good wrestler, and he gets the first fall with a flash Fez press, mm -hmm. and then the second fall we get a lot of mat work at the start, and a lot of cheating by Longson, more dirty tactics, and. 
things pick up when Longson runs from Fez and he leaps really impressively yep. from the ring to the outside. Over the uh, top and rope. Yeah, over the top. That and I didn't see that coming. man looking motherfucker. Because, I, I look, I mean, I know what he, in the, the 40s, he must have looked very impressive. He looked like the world's angriest accountant in a giant black diaper as far as his general look. And, and, and his heel stuff was fine. But he flew over that rope, man. I was like, damn, look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he was around 46, 47 yeah, that's at this time, Longson. Yeah, he'd been around for a while. And and then, that was a, you know, um, Fez comes at him with a flying drop kick. Uh, as he's trying to get back into the ring, and that was a big high spot for the time. But Lanza and then I really like, yeah, the second time. Oh. Um, this was how they booked the end of the fall, and I really like this because Fez hits him with one flying drop kick to knock him back down, and but then it's, it's a little greedy and goes for it again, and then knocks himself silly as Longson kind of pushes him away on the second flying drop kick, and then immediately Longson comes into the ring and hits him with two pile drivers. And gets the pin. So I really like that. The end of the second fall. And then the third fall is really short. Longson attempts another pile driver, but Fez powers out of it. And then hits a flurry of drop kicks, Fez does. And then he gets the pin. And it was it was pretty sudden finish. Fez was limping right after it. And I was wondering if maybe an audible was called. That, that Fez maybe twisted his ankle or something. Because the the leg hadn't really been worked on, um, had it? I don't know. But anyways, it seemed like a real abrupt finish. But maybe not. I mean, I'm no expert on fifties uh, wrestling matches. But actually, uh, you know, it was you know, twenty minutes. That's a that's a perfect time. Um, both guys look good. And yeah, good guy won at the end. Lund is not a young guy here, you know. No. Twenty minutes. No. And he kept he yeah. kept the pace. He kept the pace for yeah. ten minutes. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, good action, fast pace the whole the whole way. They both men look good. Uh, I yeah, I really like this one. Dude, I mean, I like Longston working like like he's like uh, rabbit punching the leg, I guess, a little bit. Um, it looked like he was punching Lou in the dick there a couple times too. Or maybe <laughs> just rabbit punching him, rabbit punching style. Good um, <laughs> shit, like a chess match and. He says, catch that first fall with the best press. Mm-hmm. And then Lance Longson is just straight up cheating, roughhouse tactics, um, just working that leg. And uh, I thought Longson was a real joy here, and I really wish there was more footage of him out there because this is a, a real, real revelation. He's a, mm-hmm. a damn good worker. I give it three and a quarter. I really I enjoyed a lot of it, and I enjoyed the mat wrestling, but Longson really jumped off the page for me. What about you, John? Well, first of all, anyone out there who go, who would turn on anything that's black and white and go, oh, I can't watch this black, stop it! Don't be don't be a child. There's too much great <laughs> fucking shit out there that's in black and white for you to pass up in ev- any medium and wrestling especially. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna give you my notes from the match I did watch, <laughs> <laughs> and you trust me. It applies in in some ways. Well, no, no, because I watched both of them, but I only took notes on one. Uh, But here's the neatest thing with the two I watched. The one I watched, a year earlier, Sportatorium, Luthez is a fucking heel. 
He's <laughs> a heel. Ray Gunkel is signing autographs because he's a good-looking baby face. And, and we, we've seen uh, uh, Lou work heel. Yeah. Uh, before, and he's doing it with his little... Yeah, with uh, Vern. Yeah, with yeah, Vern, yep. exactly. Uh, he's doing his little, like, put, slap his fist into... Uh, uh, yeah. Slap his fist to hit the guy in the elbow on a break shit, all that shit. Um, mm-hmm. And Danny Hunt... Uh, not Danny Hunt. Uh, uh, fucking uh, Gunkel's the one signing autographs. Fast forward one year to watch this, and nope, it's Wild Bill, who, again, like... He's great. I love him, but his look, I mean, just looking at him made me laugh. You know, he's hes balding, his hair's flapping. Him and the Baron could have been a tag team. If you fast, <laughs> you fast forward him here to 1974 Baron, they would have looked great together. He would have been the worker of the team. Um, and fast forward, and Luthez is in the corner as the baby face with his robe on, with a sash, signing autographs like a movie star. So he yeah. could play both roles. Which is, I love anyone who could do that. And that's a big reason why he was champ so many times. He could do that. But just even the way his demeanor and his character in, in, in the ring during the intros during both these matches, completely a, a heel babyface difference. He's not the same. And uh, that's super cool. And Lou has with him, you always hear about this, Lou always brought with him Ed Strangler Lewis. Yes, yes, I forgot to mention the Strangler. Now, you really need to see the 42-minute Gunkel match. By the way, you guys love it. Technical masterpiece. Uh, (laughs) And a lot of arm work and shit. Uh, Ed Strangler Lewis looks like Fred Mertz. It's it's fucking, his pants are up to here. He looks like he's going to yell and scream at Ethel and shit. It's it's hilarious. I love that he's, Lou's balding and he still brings around Ed Strangler Lewis as his manager. It's uh, it's fantastic. His pants literally go up over his giant gut. (laughs) Right up to his his armpits, man. I love that 50s shit. I'd wear that. Uh, and there is another shooter. Ed, oh, uh, Strangler in a big Lewis. bad way. In a big bad way. Um, badass. And I, I, this match, I enjoyed this. Just watching it, you know, I was like, yeah, it was fun. It was, it was a manageable time. The work from both guys was was great and fun and exciting. But speaking of Luthes, I just want to direct people to the match I watched a year earlier from 1951. Luthez power bombs Ray Gunkel, and the match this the match is over because Ray Gunkel gets a quote unquote dislocated vertebrae, and wow. the doctor won't let it continue. It, it that just, sounds just, like a cool fa- finish. Fast forward to the finish. Fast forward to the finish. <laughs> but, uh, I love Luthez. I love the fact that he can play yeah. two different roles. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in 1950, early 1950s wrestling, the idea of a guy who's like, well, I'll be a baby face here and I'll be a heel here and can do it. That's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, that was, was awesome. All right, Pete, you still awake, buddy? I am still awake. Cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, what, 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 I guess we'll just wrap it up here. Um, mm-hmm. What do you got to plug there, Kelly? <laughs> uh, well, the the 1966 
episode of Mount Olympus is still in the planning stages. It, it, I promise it will see the light of day. <laughs> um, other than that, you've been plugging that one for a while, haven't you? I know, I know. It, it, it involves me. We'll get to it. Uh, yeah, no, this one. Surely back sooner. <laughs> the reunion show. No, I'm not. I'm done with trivia. Like I said last yeah, time, or yeah. whenever. I'm retired. He came, I, I'm, he came I, every time and got whipped by some young punk. We need. I'm embarrassing. You need myself. to be running alongside a beach with Bob Orton Jr. Some training. Yeah, I was like Rocky and Rocky Three against Clever Lang. I was wasn't taking it seriously, and I got my ass kicked. That's what happens when Marty carried you for years on a show. <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, no. Oh. That's too stiff. <laughs> Marty Sleaze. Where's Marty Sleaze these days? I don't Boston. know. Boston. Baston. 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 He's in Baston. Stop I don't, you know, I don't, you know, not talking about Marty Sleaze. Are we, are we done? <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> Johnny, anything you want to plug? Uh, you just this. Uh, the new season of Big Mouth on Netflix uh, just dropped, and I finished everybody. And I, if, anyone who watch it, if you have Netflix, watch it. It's the funniest, most poignant, best. By new ever. season, you mean there's a first season? Well, yeah. Well, there's the first season was last year. The second season just came out of Big. What's Mouth. it called? Big Mouth. I never heard of it. Oh, it's a cartoon. It, it's it's fucking fantastic. It's mm. uh, it's by it's with Nick Kroll, Jenny Slade, Jason Manzukis, uh, and okay. it's a cartoon. Okay. Uh, it, it's the filthiest cartoon you've ever seen. That's poignant and about kids going through puberty. And it, okay. it, it's the it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's fantastic. And follow me on Twitter, Titans of Wrestling. Remember, this week in wrestling, I usually drops on Saturdays. And we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program next week. Have a great one, folks. See you later. You know, it's funny. I didn't realize how much I liked that Thez Hodgson match until I started talking about it with you guys. Because I didn't take notes about it. I was just like, okay. I was like, that was good. That was a hell of a thing to watch while I was having my lasagna. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I always say I want to watch more of the 50s stuff. I never do Get around to it. Yeah, me too. That'll be our next yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love wheelies, spinning, spinning, spinning. I'll not dream of winning fortune or even fame. While the wheel is turning, 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 I'll be yearning, yearning.
you get to watch, you get to hear us talk about. In fact, you know, we didn't even mention it, but the whole brother thing is a wrestling announcer. Because remember, uh, Russ, he was like brother Calhoun and brother when uh, right. when Longson dove over the rope. He's like brother Longson doesn't want any part of this. I'm like oh, right. brother, that brother shit's been around in wrestling forever. <laughs> hey brother, so. hey brother, this is where it started. You should keep all of that just to get to that fucking joke. That, I, I, yeah. Well, no. But, I no, shut no, off that, the recorder. Uh, yeah. But no. I yeah, did it. I did it. That's, uh, that's the Patreon shit that I'm saving. I'm I love saving Johnny. Yeah, I got to go too. His mediocre joke is like gold. Oh, come I on. Love. That brother. That, come on. I wasn't even going there. I found myself at the brother thing. These are. <laughs> we're like the Indiana Jones of wrestling. We're the 50 shit. The whole yeah. time brother. <laughs> I'm at the job putting over his mediocre mm. joke. I'm uh-huh. gonna, I'm gonna I don't give up. I'm not giving up. No, how dare you? Oh, Later, guys. These are my children. 